Be seated. Paul and I had the opportunity last year for our first visit to, uh, on our first visit to San Francisco. And like the tourists we were, we took in a bunch of the sites. One of the things we did is toured, uh, took a boat ride under the <coughs> Golden Gate Bridge. And what we discovered is, is that there, the weather and the currents are very violent around and under that bridge. It's like almost the, the, the narrow spot in the hourglass where the seas and the bay come together and becomes very violent. We begin to read the history of the, the bridge built and started in 1932. And the interesting thing is when they designed and constructed the bridge, they built into the cost of the bridge that they would lose a human life for every million dollars spent. So for every million dollars, they knew they would lose someone. And the number one problem wasn't the height. It was the winds and the unpredictability of the winds. And when you signed on to work on the bridge, you discovered that the number one thing that would get you fired was not not showing up and not working hard and not being diligent, but showboating. If you ever, ever stepped onto the bridge without a lifeline, you would be fired. Someone, as they began the construction of the bridge, came up with an idea. For $130,000, they went out and bought an old trapeze artist net and suspended it under the bridge. Guess what? The work sped up. Fewer people were killed than ever estimated. As a matter of fact, it got to be such a novelty that in the San Francisco paper on the front page, every day it would have this, this in a box score, score the Golden Gate Bridge safety net today, eight lives saved. And the people who fell into those nets joined a club called the Halfway to Hell Club. Don't you know that those people had an appreciation for the net that no one else could have ever had? Because they had actually fallen and were helpless and were caught by the net. In this series, Four Laws of Water Skiing, we're really using everyday common things as an analogy on how our lives are totally dependent upon our God. For us, Jesus Christ. That life was like water skiing, intended to be an adventure. It's not, int- it's not something that you're supposed to be meek and seeking safety and comfort all the time. It's something to, to go out and be enjoyed. It's like working on the Golden Gate Bridge with a net, knowing that if you should fall or when you do fall, that you have a net that will carry you, that will catch you. In this, we've talked about, so far, the first two laws of water skiing. The law of the jacket and the law of leaning. The law of the jacket simply states what? Everyone wears a jacket. No exceptions. We talked about the difference between seeking safety, which is something we can try but won't achieve, or seeking security, which is something that God offers through Jesus Christ. The security to know that whatever happens today, even if it's the end of my life, I am safe and secure. My eternity is sure. My sins are forgiven. My life is covered. When I leave this earth, I will really begin to live the life for which I was created, eternal life. 
Now, most of us aren't really excited about that. Me either. Because the heaven that I heard about growing up as a kid is boring. I mean, who wants to go to heaven and go to church every single day? (laughs) Who wants to go to heaven where there are people who are angels singing sadly? Who wants to go to heaven when there are little cherubim, little naked babies with, with wings flying around shooting everybody? I don't know what your idea of heaven is, but I haven't yet been able to grasp how amazing it is. I do know what it's like to be at a football game called the Music City Miracle when the Titans pull it out and go to the Super Bowl. And God assures me heaven's better than that. I know exactly what it's like to be married and have a honeymoon. And God says heaven's better than that. And that's going to be a stretch. I know what it's like to actually ride on a motorcycle for the first time and to feel the freedom it provides, God says it's better than that. So I want to take his word that it's better than that. So that's the security. The second is the law of leaning. And the idea is like in trying to learn how to water ski, we hold on the rope, lean back, but we let the boat do the lifting, which means we extend our arms and we let the power of God lift us in our relationship. We're not trying to pull God back to us, trying to pull reality back to us, trying to redefine constantly, fitfully going through life in a strain and in a stress, but we're constantly allowing God by his power to pull us. This morning, I want to deal with law three, which is the law of bending. And it simply says, keep your knees bent. The waters will get rough without warning. Not may get rough will get rough. The people who built the Golden Gate Bridge didn't say if people fall, they knew when people fall. Life will get rough. It will get difficult. Sometimes it gets difficult because that's just the way life is. At other times it gets difficult, quite honestly, because we get arrogant. We get full of pride and full of self We start showboating, which was the first no-no on the Golden Gate Bridge. And we start acting as though this is my life. I can live it any way I want to. It's my thing. Listen to what the scriptures say. Do not be wise in your own eyes. How about this? Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Here's the person who's working the deal with God in life. Somehow I've got something going on the side. I'm smarter. I'm better. And someone else. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I was listening to the interview of the young kid who just won the National Spelling Bee. Did you see this? It's on YouTube. You you ought to watch it. The, 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 The interviewer asking says, were you surprised? He said, no. There's a fine line between confidence and arrogance, isn't there? And here's what happens. Here's the analogy. You finally get up, you start skiing and all of a sudden you start waving at everybody. (laughs) It's good. You you get out of the wake and you get out of the wake and now you're on the smooth water and life is good. But no one told you that the boat is going to take a hard left and you're going to become a human slingshot. And all of a sudden you start going about 60 miles an hour and there are frogs and leaves and rocks and trees and dead dogs and cows and elephants. And you, you are in deep weeds. 
and you're all of a sudden in rough water. Life has its storms and there's nothing you can do to prevent it. There's a lie that says that if you can get really, really close to God, then life will get calm. (laughs) Really? If you can just pray enough and be good enough and be moral enough and go to church enough and read your Bible enough and have enough Bible study programs, the level of spirituality means the level of a tranquil, calm life. That if you really be spiritual, you really be happy. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew 5? Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, happy are, happy are, happy are. But there's a happiness that extends beyond what just happens to us. Do you know sometimes the storms we go through are God sent? There are at least two reasons why these storms come. There are storms, first of all, of perfection. They're the storms that God allows us to go through, sends our way in order to grow us up, to strengthen us. If you're like me, I'd rather just read it in the Bible and take God's word for it. Wouldn't you? I don't want to have to live this stuff. Listen to this. This is the greatest Christian who ever lived. Jesus wasn't a Christian. Behind him, this is the greatest Christian who ever lived. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, those are the, that's one of those verses. Have you ever heard that verse before? It's one of those verses that you write down on a piece of car, on card and put it in your pocket. And you say, man, if I ever need this, if, if, if my wife ever leaves me and my job ever dries up and I ever get cancer and or something bad happens to me, I'm going to pull this out. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to use it as a spare tire, as a flotation device. And yet God is saying, I don't want, I don't want my grace is sufficient for you to be an emergency ripcord. He says, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insult, hardship, persecution, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is the paradox of the life with God. There is his strength. Pouring into your weakness constantly. But most of us wouldn't choose that journey. Most of us would choose a journey in which we get up every morning and we weigh our ideal weight. We have no blemishes, no zits, and our clothes fit perfectly. Our favorite shirt and our favorite pair of slacks are clean and hanging in the closet. I go downstairs to a perfect meal. I eat eggs, sausage, biscuit, gravy, and a cinnamon bun. And I still weigh my ideal weight. I go out and get in my Porsche, which gets 75 miles to a gallon. And I drive through green lights all the way to work. I sit down in my Starbucks, steaming hot as to the left. My computer virus-free is up and running. But life doesn't work that way, does it? Life can be difficult. 
And God says, you know what? I can assure you in the storm, it may be a storm that's going to strengthen you and grow you up and you will not grow up any other way. I don't get up and choose tragedy. I don't get up and choose to do really stupid things at times. Secondly, there's the storm of correction. Now, if you are not a Christian, by that I mean a follower of Jesus, by that I mean someone who lives with a converted heart, not just a set of facts. I don't know how else to say it. Maybe you're here, and if you are here, we're very glad you're here. We think this is a great place to ask questions, to think, to ponder. Can we, we respect the journey. But if you are not in the covenant family, however you want to say it, this does not apply to you. God will, the storm that you're going through is not a storm of correction. God will not correct you. He simply allows you to go your own path. Now, he may send storms your way in order to put you in a corner to lead you to repentance. Maybe that's where you are. But if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, the storm you're going through may be correction. How about this? In all this, our match against sin, sin, uh, others have suffered far worse to say nothing of what Jesus went through. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? Remember when your kids were, if you have kids, you know, kids are little, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you, or maybe they still are little and, you know, you, you have to discipline them. And how disappointing it is that it's not as much fun as you thought it'd be when you were a kid. <laughs> Remember when you were a kid and you said, man, when I get kids, man, I'm going to get you. And you now it's no fun. Discipline kids is no fun. I don't care how you do it. It is no fun. I mean, I, I'm a father of three girls. And when little girls start crying, your heart becomes goo. I'm sorry, did that even? Okay, well, let it pass. You know. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. Don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also, what? Corrects. Listen, look on down the bold underline. This trouble you're in isn't your punishment. It's your... On down. It's the well-trained who find themselves mature. And so for some of us, God is training us. And you're thinking, oh my God, for what? Not for the Girl Scouts, but for the Green Beret. You ask God for his best. You say, God, make my life worth living. And he says, I'm trying to. Help me here. I need some, <coughs> I need some spiritual warriors, not cream puffs. I need some people, I need some children who want to step to the front line and fill the gap. I want some people who step cussing about how things are and start doing something about them. I want some people who want to dream big and dare big and do big. I want some people who want to write great books and great songs. I want people who want to get into politics and into into influential places in life. I want people who want to start their own business and work and create jobs and create wealth and bless and, and deal and be compassionate and help poverty and help AIDS and all the rest. I need some people who can roll their sleeves up, who can go through some training for some really high-level positions. But, of course, we don't want that. I just want to get by. 
I just want to get to work and afford the gas. I just want to pay my house payment. I just want a new pair of jeans at Walmart. Amen. Thank you, Lord. There's a third, there's a third way. I'm going to deal with this next week, so I'm just going to touch it, just to touch it on the top. But there are storms of protection. There are times when the car doesn't work and the plane is late and providence orchestrates life to take care of us, to keep us out of danger. Oh, we get frustrated and mad and upset and because we're late or we can't go or this doesn't happen, we know the universe is going to fall apart. But God says, you know what? You're stuck on that airport for a reason. You're stuck at that red light for a reason. Something's going on even you can't see. So the question is, when these storms happen, is, as, you're, as you're water skiing, you keep those knees bent, which means you're in the ready position. You're, you're alert. You're looking. Arrogance is when you fall asleep to, to your own weakness and your own humanity and you grow arrogant and sloppy. And you begin to say, you know, this is my life and I'm going to live it. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, when I want to do it, how much of it I want to do. Now, my mantra is live free, have fun, change your world. Live free only works when you are free from something, but also free under someone. One of the reasons I think that we have such a malevolent form of atheism these days i.e. Sam Harris and some of these other guys, is because ultimately if you ever acknowledge that there is a God and then you ever acknowledge that God is personal, then someone's in charge. And guess what? It ain't you. And it's not me. All of a sudden there's someone to whom we are accountable Now, we know this gospel story in that one to whom we are accountable is a God who is loving and generous and gracious, a God of relationship who invites us into a fathering relationship, a perfect fathering relationship. But if you've got religion, really what you have is basically a spare tire, a set of ideas or doctrines that somehow you rely on only in times of trouble. Every other day, I just simply do things my own way. Like dancing on the top of a bridge without a net. Why do smart people do really stupid things? Ever known anyone who has awakened in the morning with a case of the stupids and they last all day, sometimes all week? And you look and you say, that was the dumbest thing they ever did or I've ever done. Here are four reasons why smart people fall. One, we flirt with the flame and we get burned by the fire. Listen to this ancient saying. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Think of that image. You go out to a campfire and you just grab up a big log on fire. Just just hug it up. Hug it. Hug a burning log. That ought to be a country song, shouldn't it? <laughs> I was hugging a country, I was hugging a burning log, and I thought it was my baby. <laughs> huh? Yeah. 
It's better than some. I was hugging a burning log and I thought it was my baby. Man, that's a BMG song, man. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a song. I mean, just the picture is absurd, isn't it? This is an argument ad certium from absurdity. Well, of course you do. So can you flirt with thing? If you, but there's, I guarantee there's some people in this room having flirtatious relationships at work. You think they're harmless and they're going to take you to a really dark place. Just compromising just a little on the internet. You didn't mean to go to that porn site, but there was a thing that came around and you saw that and you clicked it and it, whoops, oh my gosh. Just this once. My wife is distant. She's away. I'm in another town. A thousand different self-fulfilling prophecies. Self-justification. We flirt with the flame. We flirt with the things. Used to call it sin. Sin now is just an a construct that we don't really understand. But anything that dishonors God and also dismantles our spirit or the spirit of another person. Second, we want relief. We want a quick fix and a shortcut. Listen to this out of Proverbs again. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. How about this? Mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. Think of that. Mark well that God doesn't miss what? A move. Move your arm. Oh, God knew it. God, isn't that amazing? Think of that. God, have, you ever, have you ever moved your arm and not known it? So God knows what you're doing even when you don't know. Ever scratch your nose, pick your nose? And, oh my God, I'm picking my nose. God knows when you're picking your nose. Ooh, that's a little eerie, isn't it? He's aware of every step you take. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. You'll find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. What does God want to do to us? He wants to train us. So that death won't be the end in an undisciplined life. Think of that. What are you in right now you want out of? You want over. And God says, no, I don't want you out. I don't want you over. I don't want a quick fix. There is no shortcut to any place worth going. Stay right there in this moment. You got on a jacket. You have my security. Let, lean in, let me do the heavy lifting and you just stay in the ready position. Which leads me to the third. We get blindsided because we get caught flat-footed. Listen to how graphic this is in the message translation. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce. I just, you know, it's like, a, it's, like it's coiled. You know, poised to pounce and would love nothing better than to catch you, what? Napping. I never will forget my football coach in high school said this. I've never forgotten. He says, if you are the hittee, you will get hurt. Just like that waft over the crowd. If you are the hittee, you will get hurt. And you know what? He's right. 
But he also said, if you are the hitter, you will deliver the hurt. Yeah. I mean, hitting. Have you ever seen on, 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 on TV where Arnold Schwarzenegger takes his head and goes, pow! Is that not cool? <laughs> head button. That'd be a good greeting for Christians, wouldn't it? Pow! Just headbutt one another. And the physics basically say that if you, know, if you are the hitter, you deliver the hurt. If you are the hittee, you receive the hurt. And so what do you do? You get in the ready position. As the scripture, you don't let Satan catch you napping. So keep a firm grip on your faith. This suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before a blank God who is blank... A blank God, what kind of God? A generous God who has great plans for us in Christ. A generous God with great plans. Isn't that cool? Ah, come on! A great God, a generous God with great plans. Now you say, but the evidence doesn't bear it out. Yeah, but you're skiing, baby, because right around the curve, there's, there's the sun. Huh? you ever been out on the lake skiing and it's really dark and you look up and there's this little old cloud you're under, but you can see daylight and you ski toward daylight. Amen. That's good. Even if I did say it, ski toward, let's say one, two, three, ski toward daylight. Yeah. Of a generous God with what? Great. Good. No. What? Great plans. A generous God with great plans for you. Here's another way we fall. We assume way too much. We assume way too much. This is my life. I'm going to live it. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And yet listen to what the warning is. Listen to you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to this city, spend a year, carry on business and make money. Why do you not know what will happen to you tomorrow? What is your life? It's a mist. It appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag and all such boasting is. That's a pretty harsh word, isn't it? It doesn't say it's unwise. It doesn't say it's wasteful. It says it's evil. I mean, God takes this very seriously. God takes this jacket thing very seriously. We are clothed in Christ. He is our life and he is our future. We live by his power. It's his power who pulls us in his direction. It is his power that meets us in the rough waters, in the the tough time, the difficult time. And let me tell you, they will come and they will come again. It's not if you need this talk, it's when you need this talk. When you need this truth. It ought to be integrated totally in your life. And as you integrate these totally in your life, you become flexible. Here's a big difference between religion and a relationship. In in religion, religion is rigid. You break the rules of religion and we're going to come after you. Pastors talk about things like church discipline. (laughs) Whatever. Church discipline. If we start disciplining people in church, 
Where are we going to stop? And who are we going to stop with? You're not going to discipline me. Because I'm the dude. I'm the big dude. I'm the, I'm the Lebowski. I'm the dude. You're not going to discipline the dude. Though the dude needs disciplining. That's why I got married. Amen. <laughs> I mean, it's silly. That's, that religion is rigid. Let's, let, let's keep the purity of the church. I, I'm, a, I'm a Southern Baptist, so I can say this. I had their convention a couple of weeks ago when I was watching it online. And <clears throat> again, this year they came with the, uh, they want to pass the resolution on taking church membership more seriously. And, you know, I, it's, it's a good idea. But here's the problem. Is, is if, we start, if we start policing one another... We won't have time to go to the bathroom, eat, take a shower, do anything. Because we'll be, be policing each other. I'm sick of that. How about you? I'm not going to do that. Let God sort them out. Amen? In a relationship, there's the opposite. In a relationship with God, aren't you glad? In your relationship with God, there's flexibility. Your relationship flexes. God says, have no other gods before me. And when you break that, aren't you glad he doesn't break you? He flexes. Don't covet. But when you do that, what does he do? He flexes. He gives you time. He enters into that moment. He embraces you in your sin and in your stupidity. He doesn't say, you should have known that fire will burn you. You, you made your bed. You ought to. What a dumb thing to say. How d- to whom do you say that? And it makes any positive change. So here's, here's flexibility. Here are the ABCs of flexibility really quick. A, accept the new reality. Did you hear about the, uh, the girl up in uh, Louisville this week who's, who was riding a ride, minding her own business, Millions and millions of people have ridden this ride. This ride is all in theme parks all over the country. And something snafued, something that should have and could have never happened, happened, and her feet were cut off. Both feet severed at the ankles. I just, I can't, pro- I can't, I can't process that. I, how, how, if you're their parents, I mean, her, I mean, it, it, it should never have happened, but it did. And guess what? It's a, that's her new reality. Cancer is a new reality. Divorce is a new reality. You know, getting fired is a new reality. And you have to go from there. Can God meet you in that new reality? Or are you going to always be stuck back here? A, accept the new reality. B, believe that God is at work. God is at work even though he may be silent. He is not still. And then third is confess. Confess your part. I blog, you're going to read this on my blog, but I blogged this week about Pac-Man in Paris. <laughs> now I have to tell you, I love old Pac-Man. I am very sympathetic. Uh, I'm very sympathetic to him, and and I, I just don't have any criticism. It's, I don't I don't have the right number one. 
So understand that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, so I'm, I lean toward him positively. So take what I'm getting ready to say in that light. Uh, he showed up this week and turned himself in in Las Vegas. His lawyer came out and, and, and said, Pac-Man has changed. And he has a new haircut. Have you seen that? Cut his hair, has a new haircut. And it looks good. And it looks fine. And, you know, it looks fine either way. It's, not, it's not, my, not my call one way or the other. But he does look less intimidating. Pac-Man has changed. He's a new man. And then also this week, I saw on E! that uh, Paris had an interview with Brian Seacrest and uh, told him that she has changed. Six days in jail and, or whatever, and she's changed. Now, I have to be honest with you. Hear my heart. I hope it's all true, but I doubt it. I'll tell you why, because change doesn't happen that quickly. But here's where it starts. Confession. Write this down. You cannot change what you will not acknowledge. You cannot change what you will not acknowledge. The first step in AA is what? Anybody know? We admit that we are powerless and that our life has become unmanageable. Where did that come from? The scripture. It's the requirement to get into heaven. It's the only requirement. The only person, people who go to heaven are those who admit they're not morally or ethically worthy to go. Which means Bill Clinton's going to heaven. Some of you are not going, aren't you? President Bush is going. Some of you, I'm definitely not going. Wouldn't it be cool if Teddy Kennedy actually made it? Or whoever it is, or Rush Limbaugh, whoever it is you don't like. Isn't it going to be fun? I mean, I think part of heaven's going to be like the comedy hour. When, when people make it. And we're going, oh, man. Shoot. I knew you were going to be here. That would be terrible. Where are you? Where are you in, 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 in your water skiing life? You have the rough water? Things are going pretty good? Hey, maintain humility. Understand where it comes from. Understand who's in control. Got that jacket on. Are you going through rough waters and you're thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? Let God join you at that point. God will not say, you know what? You got yourself here. You got to get yourself out. No, you'll never hear him say that. You in debt. You got broken relationships. You got stuff in your life. Stupid things you've done. God says, you know, let me come in. I am a generous God with that's right. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you will achieve in every heart and every life what you have destined, what you've created us for. Father, I pray for someone here today who's, who, who, who's brought their shame and their guilt with them. And Father, I pray as they lay it down at your feet, something they've done, something so profoundly stupid that has nothing to do with who they really are. And they're looking to you, Father, to redeem it. They believe that you're a generous God with great plans and those great plans can't be thwarted by our own sin and stupidity, that you're bigger than that, that you can redeem our lives, you can redeem our relationships, you can redeem our work life, our private life, you can redeem us, you can lift us up. Now, Father, I pray that we'll confess our arrogance, 
Here's my prayer. If you just want to join me in this simple prayer, I invite you to do so. Dear Jesus, I confess my own sin, my arrogance. I give it to you. I surrender my heart, my soul, and my life to your love. And I submit my plans, my hopes, and my dreams to your providence. And I do it by faith in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day.